We want to thank you for listening to our first season. So this will be the last episode of our first season. Yeah. Of Crimes of the Basque Lands. We're going to take some time off, but yes. we'll start releasing new episodes in September. Yeah, we do. I hope you continue joining us for our next season. Yeah. In September. Yeah. See you so soon. Have a great summer. Yeah. We want to bid you agur. Watch your back, watch your back. A chance is gonna get you. Watch your back, watch your back. A chance is gonna get you. Watch your back, watch your back. Oh, there's a chance is gonna get you. Watch your back. It's coming from me. Just get ready. Gotta watch those red hands. It's the crimes of the Baslands. It's the crimes of the Baslands. Hi, Douglas. Hello, Julie. How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Not bad. Myself. Thanks. Good. How are you been this week? Very chill week. It's nice. Not me. I've been had a very busy week. Yeah. But I had a couple I of... I have no stories to tell about it, though. It's just dumb, busy shit. Well, I mean... Appointments. It's life. Dentist. That's good. Getting things done. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things I didn't get done during the pandemic years. Mm. I'm now trying to catch up. Aren't we all? And make sure I'm getting all those medical visits in. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're all doing that. Yeah. But I did get told by my gynecologist that my surname is Basque. Isn't that sweet? I know. I mean, there's various theories about Garcia. And then she she told you a super cute one, didn't she? Yeah. I assumed it was Garza. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which means heron. Um, Something like that. And there's a town (laughs) called Garza. There is. And, uh, but she said, no, it meant, um, gas, what's it? Gastea is, Gastea. is young. Which means young. Yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I had also heard about it being connected to the word arts, which is a bear, which also what? could have kind of powerful connections. You know, if you imagine a tribe and a guy's called bear, that could, could also be quite believable. Bear. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, maybe we should give, like, every once in a while, we should probably tell people what our podcast is about. We so should. it's Crimes of the Basque Lands. Yeah. And we are telling stories from the Basque country. Indeed. Or. All over the world. All over the world where there's any tenuous link to the Basque country. That's us. Ancestors, otherwise. Yep. So we have a, <laughs> a, an interesting story today. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're presenting it today. Yep. So I have a story. This is going to be the Galerna of 1912. Mm-hmm. History one. Yep. It's historical. So cool. Over 100 years old. Very um, fun. So I'm going to give you a history of fishing mm. in the Basque Country. Uh, but before I do, um, my sources for this story were El Correo. Mm-hmm. Newspaper. El Lebogen, mm-hmm. which we found out was like a shop of some sort it looks about like about fishing stuff yeah. motors so, yeah boat motors yeah so i it makes sense they'd have an article about this mm-hmm. i guess um or do they life um or do they buy is a mm. a wild like a refuge for birds yeah speaking of birds it's actually unesco world heritage natural yeah. um natural beautiful beautiful place mm. So if you're ever in the Basque Country, go visit Urdaibai. It's gorgeous. Ayetebe, of course. Usko News. Usko mm. News. Mm. Wikiwand. Bermeo.es. Nice. And, of course, Wikipedia. So 
Nice. Those are my sources for this story. Shall we get into our story? Let's go. All right. So, uh, the history of fishing in the Basque Country. Okay. A short version, I imagine. Yeah, I'm not going to go that <laughs> deep into it, but there's a long history of fishing in the Basque Country. So, geographically, the country is located in the western Pyrenees, straddling the border between France and Spain on the coast of the Bay of Biscay. Biscay. Or the Biscay, excuse me. The Cantabrian Sea is the term used mostly in Spain to describe the southern part of the Bay of Biscay. Hmm. Uh, it's the coastal sea of the um, Atlantic Ocean that borders the northern coast of Spain and the southwest side of the Atlantic coast of France. It extends from the Cape of Estaca de Bares in the province of A Coruña hmm. to the mouth of the river Adour near the city of Bayonne. Mm. in the French Basque country. So the Basques were among the first people to practice commercial whaling, mm-hmm. right? Um, as opposed to Aboriginal whaling. And they dominated the trade for five centuries. Some of the earliest uh, surviving records date back to the year 670. Mm. And their practice spread to the far corners of the North Atlantic and even reached as far as the South Atlantic. So my my story is going to focus on some fishermen whose primary catch was what is referred to as the Bonito del Norte, right? Mm-hmm. So tuna of the north, right? Yeah. But I know that you, Douglas, have expressed some interest in doing an episode about Basque whalers mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. So I am here sitting with bated breath to here. hear all about that oh, right. one day. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever want to do a story about the whalers, because... They were everywhere, right? Were. There's lots of um, Basque settlers because of it, right? Yeah. In, in I, way, like in Nova Scotia yeah, and in yeah. Iceland. Think, and I think it'll come up more than once, to be honest. Probably, We've yeah. already mentioned it, but yeah, there'll be one or two episodes that will be more in-depth, I think, with mm-hmm. specific whaling. But yeah, there's stories from Iceland and Newfoundland yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, all over the place. Scotland, yeah. I guess. All right, so like most coastal inhabitants around the world, fishing is a huge part of the economy and the livelihood of those port towns, right? Yeah, part of so the culture, it's no tradition. Different. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's no different when it comes to the Basques. Mm. Okay, so my one-sentence synopsis for this story. Um, all hell breaks loose on the high seas, devastating the fishing town of oh Bermeo. Mm. Wow. So my story today will be primarily focused on an event that mainly affected the coastal town of Bermeo. Mm. I've been to Bermeo. Have you been to Bermeo? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It used to be the capital of Biscaya. Really? I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't even see that in my research. <laughs> yeah. It was very, so important, you know. And, and uh-huh. it was actually Bilbao. Bilbao took away that status and mm. they kind of took over the economics of of the province by declaring that they had the so they became a tax haven so nobody would take the stuff over to Bermeo anymore because it was just cheaper to do Mm. it through Bilbao and that's how not only did they lose being capital they also lost a lot of their economic options it's a rather small quite small these days yeah very cute. Uh, today, the population is 16,765. Mm-hmm. So it is one of the most important fishing ports in the Basque Country. If not the most important, aside from what Bilbao has taken over, I guess. So uh, tourist attractions uh, around Bermeo include the island of Gastelugache. It's a really cool peninsula 
little or spit like it just sticks out into the sea where there's like a there's a little hermitage chapel yeah small little yeah. church basically today it's a chapel yeah but i think they still call it a hermitage but there's like a today. set of 200 and something steps that are supposed to you know signify the steps of the cross right like the probably right and uh it just is really cool. It's beautiful, yeah. and it became very famous with what Game, was of it? Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, yes, yes. I was going to say that because it's the location for um, Dragonstone. Yeah, and it became. And they did film a lot of other uh, scenes from mm-hmm. Game of Thrones around mm-hmm. that area. So it is a beautiful place. Other attractions of Romeo are the Ercia Tower, which is a fishing museum, mm-hmm. uh, the San Juan Gate, mm-hmm. and the port course all right so this story is going to revolve around a galerna um and a galerna that produced a tragedy in 1912 so how would you translate galerna so i went to look up galerna mm-hmm. in word reference mm-hmm. and all i could see was gale mm-hmm. so a gale yeah, gale force winds i guess or... yeah so I guess that's accurate, but Galerna is more commonly associated with a storm mm-hmm. of some sort that okay. could turn into like a cyclone. Okay. So like throughout the story, I'll call it a Galerna. Okay. Because yep. it's a crazy storm. Okay. Crazy storm. So I'll explain what a Galerna is. Okay. Cool. So in the Bay of Biscay, um, particularly along the stretch from the province of Asturias, which is to the west of us. Mm-hmm. So there's, to the west of us, there's, after Biscaya, there's Cantabria, and then Asturias. Yep. Um, the Galernas are something that fishermen and sailors have fe- feared for centuries. They're described as a sudden violent storms that break out normally on warm and peaceful days at sea and out of nowhere with no mm. apparent warning signs. Mm. One article said, quote, you could be comfortably having a drink on a terrace in the port, and five minutes later, the umbrellas and chairs are flying, and octopus are falling on you. <laughs> oh, wow. That's an intensive one. So, I did watch a video, um, like, on YouTube mm-hmm. that somebody posted of a Galerna that was hitting, I think it was Dinosti, San Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it was literally like people sitting on terraces, but then all of a sudden there was just crazy wind, mm-hmm. and people were just trying to hold down chairs, and wow. umbrellas were flying, and beautiful huge waves hitting. You know? I mean, it's, it sounds like it would cause a lot more damage in, what was it, in 1910s or 20s? 1912. 1912. This Galerna, yeah. <clears throat> just before a Galerna will explode, there'll be an abrupt shift in the wind from the west to the northwest, with gusts reaching up to sometimes exceeding 80 to to 120 kilometers an hour mm-hmm. in miles per hour that's like 50 to 75 miles per hour mm-hmm. the sky will swiftly darken due to the arrival of mist and low flying or sorry low-lying clouds causing the temperature to drop more than 15 degrees mm-hmm. in just 20 minutes mm-hmm. uh, 15 degrees celsius which is 60 degrees celsius fahrenheit okay for those of you who speak fahrenheit so the relative humidity will increase by 100%. So it gets super humid suddenly. Okay. Wow. I guess that the air just becomes wet, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it causes the atmospheric pressure to also shoot up. And sometimes there will be rain showers. However, precipitation is not usually associated with galernas. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So these storms start, as I said, 
um, on the Asturian coast uh, near the port town of Aviles. Aviles. Aviles, sorry. Mm-hmm. So that's quite west from here. Yeah. A good probably thousand kilometers, maybe two. Yeah. One and a half thousand, something like that. Kilometers. Sorry, I can't do the Kilometers. Yeah, I'm not going to go with the miles. (laughs) So they're initiated by the relatively cold waters from the Atlantic Ocean, moving against the warmer continental waters of the Bay of Biscay. Mm. Yeah. So those, that convergence. A little bit shallower waters in the Bay of Biscay, so I guess it heats up a little bit. So they spread from west to east at a high speed where they end on the French Basque coast. Mm-hmm. Um, the Basque coast is the most affected by these storms because it's reached its maximum intensity and speed by the time it reaches mm-hmm. these waters. Mm-hmm. On average, this area will see four to five of these relatively intense scalernas a year, mm-hmm. with the majority occurring from May to June. So these storms typically take place between noon and late afternoon and can last about two hours. Mm. Okay, so there's your history on Galernas. Okay. I do remember being at the coast once and a bit of, you know, strong, intense wind and stuff. I wouldn't wouldn't describe it as a strong one, but whoever I was with described it as a Galerna. And so I remember that. But yeah, it was, I hear them on the news all the time. It was a right? low. There was a Galerna. Yeah, low intensity one though. And at yeah. times I've heard that they've developed into a cyclone, mm-hmm. which is like the hurricane type. Yeah, they never get that strong here, but would cause a lot of damage still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they reach like cyclone level, that's when they they're really in the news, right? And there's a lot of flooding or there's a lot of damage on the coast. Like I know San Sebastian's been hit a few times. Yeah, they're right on the coast, so yeah. Mm-hmm. There's been like several times that you know that, um, oh, it's like the spa and, is it a hotel? No, I just think it's a spa and mm-hmm. bar. Mm-hmm. They have a restaurant and a bar called La Perla. I've heard about it, yeah. I can't My place friend, it though. Our mm-hmm. friend, Goyo. Mm-hmm. Hi, Goyo. Hi. He used to work there. Oh, right. But that place, because they have, on, they're right on the beach. Mm-hmm. And so the spa has all the, the windows mm-hmm. that are right on the beach. Mm. Several times there have been storms, galernas, mm-hmm. that have broken the those glass. windows. Oh, right. Wow. And just destroyed that spa. Crazy. Yeah. Despite the progress that's been made in the last century in forecasting techniques, these galernas are notoriously difficult to predict. In most cases, meteorologists must carefully monitor not only the Basque Coast, but particularly the Asturian and Cantabrian coasts, Get the beginnings of where it. the first warning signs might mm. appear. The most notable signs are the drastic change in temperature, so like a difference of 20 degrees all of a sudden. It shouldn't be easy Celsius, to detect. Celsius, by yeah. the way, Celsius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the change in atmospheric pressure, where it rises in Asturias and in, Can- and in Cantabria and then falls when it hits Euskadi. Mm. But the main problem here is that although these changes can be detected by modern meteorological equipment, they're sometimes only detected a half hour in advance. Yeah. So giving anyone that's out at sea very little time to respond and yeah. to get to shore. And this is 2023. This yeah. is not yeah. 1912. Right. Keeping in mind. Yeah. So should we take a break before we get into the story? Let's do that. Okay. See you in a minute. Hello there, Julie. Hi, Douglas. We're back. Okay. So let's get to our main story for today. This 
story will take place in Bermeo, like mm-hmm. I said. Beautiful Bermeo. Yeah. And actually, there's that theory that says that Bermeo could be connected to the word uh, from Portuguese, vermelho, which you can see vermelho or vermelho. Okay. Vermilion, which comes Vermilion, as in red. And that theory is that they would kill the whales and they bring them into port. And so when you bring a whale into port, it's just blood everywhere. So the whole port would be red. Oh. And that might have been how I got that name. Isn't that interesting? Yikes. And pretty intense. Bloody port. Pretty intense. Yikes. Sorry, getting back to Bermeo. All right. So long fin tuna, which, Mm. as I said before, is referred to here as Bonita del Norte. So tuna of the north, right? Egaluce in Basque. Uh, what is it called? Egaluce. Okay. So this is a very popular staple in a lot of Basque gastronomy, right? Yeah. Very it's, traditional. Yes. People like Bobby can them cans at home. it. Yeah. Bobby cans it every nice. year. Super traditional. Mm-hmm. So in the summer of nineteen twelve, the tuna season wasn't going so well. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot not a lot of it was being caught and it was a really shitty season. Okay. For the fishermen, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, as we can surmise, this is pretty depressing for the local fishermen, as this is their bread and butter, right? Mm-hmm. And it caused a lot of worry and despair for a lot of local economies in the region, right? Yes, but I guess in those days it would be particularly problematic. These days there's subsidies and there's help. And there's other things, yeah. That in case you of can emergency, do. but yeah. Right. However, in the first days of August, there were suddenly several schools of tuna showing up along Bermeo's coastline. Mm. So you might be thinking, great, they can simply get back out to fishing and make up for the lack of the fish they hadn't caught all summer. Sounds like right? it. Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. Okay. Because the town festival was about to take place on August 16th. Okay. So the festival, like most town festivals, they're um, the result of a religious holiday mm. celebrating some patron Hayek. or saint mm-hmm. of the towns, right? So in Bermeo's case, it was San Roque. As we know, when fiestas are on, nothing gets done. There's no work. Yes. There's nothing happening. Yeah. The life stops. Life stops to party. Everybody parties. Mm-hmm. So the fiestas usually consist of like a lot of like competitions. In this case, there's marmitaco competitions. Nice. Which is a traditional dish of fish, mm-hmm. uh, tuna. Tuna, yeah. And... Potato and peppers. Yep, right? mostly as far as I know, the, the the main ingredient: red peppers, red peppers, the bonito, and potato. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there'll be like pelota, which is like the handball. Yeah. Competitions or other basque High sports. Line. Yep. <laughs> or like chopping chopping wood. Like there's all these like traditional basque sports that yeah. take place during fiestas. Mm-hmm. And, of course, people are just eating and drinking and having a good time. In Bermeo, the San Roque festivals are celebrated on August 16th in La Tala, which is a neighborhood of Bermeo. Okay. okay. And so it's concentrated in La Tala in the field near the oak grove that is where the current neighborhood is. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so that's the traditional pilgrimage. So romantic. Mm-hmm. I mean, for people <clears throat> who might... Not I get the reference. Uh, traditionally, the every town would meet un, under an oak tree or an oak grove to decide the laws and send a representative mm. to Guernica for the main uh, meeting underneath the main 
oak tree. So it's very beautiful yep. setting description mm -hmm. there. Gorgeous. So in 19, like up until 1965, the fleet mm -hmm. of fishermen are mm -hmm. obliged to go and be in port at this date. Like oh, they right. can't leave. Interesting. Right? Right. I guess it was like, uh, yeah, more of a religious a thing. Reli yeah, mm -hmm. like, a, like a break, like a... You have to take a break, You right? can't work on Sundays sort of thing. Right. You can't work on a day of your patron saint sort of thing. Yeah. I imagine. Due to this, many of the town's fishermen planned to take advantage of this downtime to get married. So because okay. they couldn't leave town, Sounds they'd be obliged nice. to stay in town. They decided to get married. Yeah. So it's been reported that on August 16th of 1912, 30 weddings were scheduled to take place on that one single oh, day. Wow. Yeah. A lot of work for the Mr. Priest there. I know, right? Hmm. So, on the 10th of August, 40 ships left the harbor in Bermeo. And although we're in an era of great, like, advancements in steamships, because mm -hmm. this is the time of the Titanic and, okay. you know, other big liners. That's really big, at the yeah. Time, mm -hmm. uh, most of the boats that are fishing mm -hmm. are still navigating with oars and sails. Wow. And they used compasses wow. to find their way. Yeah. That's so, intense. it was still pretty old school. Yeah. yeah. So, on the Monday night of August 12th, the fleet were busy fishing 45 miles from the Cape um, Machichaco. Mm-hmm, Machichaco, yeah. And they encountered some French boats who had barometers, mm. and they warned them that bad weather was approaching. Mm. So, the person in charge um, of deciding whether or not they should return to the port called the Senero, that's what he's called, this okay. guy in charge. He warned the fishermen to return, but many of them decided to take advantage of the four days they had left mm -hmm. before the upcoming holiday and just continue fishing. Ride it out, right? Mm. So this wasn't unheard of. Many fishermen had done this on count, you know, on countless occasions before. Yeah, they just would remove the masts from the boats and right. then just hunker down in the hold to ride out the storm. That's that's a whole movie in itself. I know, right? Wow. No, there is a movie actually. Really? <laughs> it's a movie. We should put a link to it in yeah. our Instagram or Facebook and stuff. Yeah, let's do that. This Galerna, though, mm -hmm. that they were warned about, was not a normal one. No, I mean, so, we've got a story about it, so I'm already worried. Yeah. So although some some did go back to, to port, port mm -hmm. 134 fishermen, which are called aranzales. Yep. They stayed out at sea, unaware that there was an explosive cyclogenesis about to break out. They so call a that cyclogenesis is, I had to look that up. It's the development or the intensification of a, a cyclone, mm -hmm. usually in simultaneous occurrence with a decrease in atmospheric pressure. So we said that these galernas did occur when so the there was a drop a in the pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A gale of unexpected dimensions hung over the Biscayan and Kipuzkoan coasts mm. and literally ripped this entire fleet apart. My gosh. Yeah. Some of the boats capsized, while others were completely broke apart, mm. leaving many sailors stranded in the dark and <clears throat> unsure of where the waves were coming from. Mm. So according to one story, some sailors who were on a ship sailing from Leketio, which is uh, another coastal town yeah, in, in Biscaya. Biscaya, they were unable, they were able to make a cross using two masts and a rope. So they were able to cling to this improvised floating device for the entire night. <sighs> However, as exhaustion set in, mm. they, some, the, most of them surrendered and drowned. 
And yeah. then only one survivor what? was alive to tell the tale of this. My gosh, that's horrible yeah. to survive that even. Yeah. Meanwhile, back in Bermeo, ships began to arrive with news of several capsized boats. And word of mouth began to spread and, of course, panic spread yeah, as well. I'm right? sure. Everybody's families are connected to those sailors, so yeah. Yeah. They went out on the 10th, and this hit right. on the 12th, and I guess it hit in late afternoon, hmm. and then lasted all night. Wow. And So, so it's were... 13th morning now-ish, I yeah. think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The mayor of Bermeo telegraphed the president of the Biscaya Provincial Council early Tuesday morning, August 13th, informing him of a storm that had caused shipwrecks. Simultaneously, he requested that he direct the coastal towns to mobilize in order to assist the boats in distress 40 miles off the coast of Andarroa. Mm -hmm. The same telegrams uh, that were requesting assistance were sent to the the Bilbao Navy Command and the Sota y Asnar shipping house. However, due to the rough seas and a lack of time to prepare for relief steamers, which um, the assistants could not materialize in time. Yeah, they couldn't find some ships to go out. So the storm formed, as I said, on the late afternoon of Monday the 12th and then reached its height that night. Okay. So by the morning of the 13th, it had calmed down. Mm -hmm. So... Given the lack of information from the boats, there was only room for speculation about mm-hmm. what had happened to all these people that were still out there. Mm. According to the fishermen, if anything bad had happened, it had occurred in the early mount- hours of the morning, and any assistance sent in the afternoon of the 13th would be too late. Mm. So they, they were just kind of like, there's no hope for them. I right? mean, there was one guy hanging on, right? Yeah, so I met. I imagine they found that guy. That's why he survived, right? Yeah, so yeah. what they did send out, they did find some people. Mm-hmm. But mm, given this like state of panic in town, it was the women that mm. really started freaking out yeah. in the early hours of the thirteenth. Yeah, and they sent up the alarm throughout town, mm-hmm. and then they spread the news throughout Vermeo. For sure, yeah. Right. So um, the first official reports of the disaster. Um, and the arrival of some of the boats that were coming back. Right, these ones that left when the French people said right. the barometer was yeah. high. Mm-hmm. Nobody could deny that something really big had happened, right? Mm. So um, two hours after the return of these fortunate boats that got away in time, right? Mm-hmm. There were still 24 boats missing. Wow. And there was no word on their... Yeah. Whereabouts. Yeah. Whereabouts or what happened Situation. to them. So there's no way to send help and then everybody just started freaking out, right? Yeah, it's crazy. There was no radio, nothing. Yeah. Hmm. So there was crowds of people demanding answers from the crew of these boats that had returned, right? Right. right. Um and they they had seen things, like they were relaying to them tragic details of what had happened, what oh, they'd yeah. seen. Yeah. Um Including, like, you know, trying to rescue people, but right. were unable to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, the anguish among the Bermean people was indescribable. Yeah. They were... <laughs> there was one last boat that came in at 6 o'clock in the afternoon on the 13th. Mm. And, um... That was it. That was it. Yep. Upon hearing the terrible news, the women of the town allegedly ran through the streets screaming and were furious with pain and... You know, yeah. just 
anguish, you know. Yeah, it's horrible. Throughout the night, people gathered on the pier, hoping to see some light through the dense fog that covered the horizon. So they were like out just standing there, just waiting to see if anybody comes back, right? Yeah. Telegrams were sent at breakneck speed between the local authorities of the devastated towns and the provincial and marine authorities. So they were just sending telegrams like, anybody, anybody. Mm -hmm. The civil governor and the naval assistant ship also was chastising those towns for what they saw as a lack of foresight in the face of disaster and non-compliance with the current law for failing to notify the comp- the authorities when they first heard of the news. Like so I mean, yeah, they're whatever. like sending out these telegrams to be like help we we need help and then they're like well you guys didn't do blah 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 like yeah fucking yeah. fucking colonial governments. Yeah. The ships that did go out to try to help, they were compiling like a list of missing boats, right? Like mm-hmm. as they were going out and trying to save people, mm-hmm. they were maybe finding like pieces of boats. Right. And then they were able to kind of determine that that, that one had group, sunk. Yeah, mm-hmm. had, is gone, right? Mm-hmm. The steamers, which they're referring to as be the ones that were actually like motorized or like with steamships, like the coal. Okay. They were... Um, Coming out of Bermeo and Lacatio, they went to help those who were shipwrecked, but they could not report any news of finding anyone. Wow. And um, people in Bermeo just started dressing in black as a sign of mourning. Yeah. Um, and then they ended up canceling the fiesta. As it should be. Yep. They canceled all celebrations for that. So the day after the catastrophe, the first official news broke in Bilbao newspapers on August 14th Hmm. with headlines like Tragedy of the Bermeo Fishermen. Hmm. They reported on the, you know, the lives and the boats that were lost and the scenes of despair and madness occurring in the Biscayan and Gipuzkoan fishing towns. Wow. There were telegrams that were arriving from other ports, particularly in the province of Santander, Mm -hmm. where vessels registered in Bermeo Andorroa, Laquetio, and El Anchobe mm-hmm. had sought refuge. So some boats okay. had gone as far as Santander wow. to escape the... Okay. The... The, the Galarina? Yeah. The storm. Bermeo mm-hmm. had lost 116 young men declared dead, the majority of whom were between the ages of 18 and 30. 18 to 30. Yeah. So... To put the magnitude of this disaster into perspective, this figure corresponded to 1% of the total population of this demographic. Of the 80 weddings that were scheduled for that weekend, so I I told you there was like 30 Mm -hmm. for just the 16th, but there were other weddings planned. over the weekend. So there were 80 weddings planned for that weekend. Um, 40 of those grooms had died. My gosh. Yeah. So then that doesn't even consider the number of widows... Yeah. And orphans. Yeah. Basically in poverty. Now their whole livelihood has been wiped out, right? By yeah. losing the one person that was earning an income, right? Yeah, I don't know what the the social security system was like in 1912. Well, they would have been left poverty stricken had it not been for like a great outpouring of public okay. um, charity or mm-hmm. support. In total, the Galerna took the lives of 143 fishermen. 116 from Bermeo, 16 from Lacatio, 8 from Alanchobi, and 3 from Andarua. The news spread quickly, and then there were tons of like telegrams of condolences and support being mm-hmm. sent to the victims, mm-hmm. like or their families. Mm-hmm. And they started a lot of like charitable 
events to try to help those people. Nice. Yeah, I know, right? So yeah. it's such a community effort. Yeah, I mean, I would expect that these days. The Basque country is so organized mm-hmm. and so kind of community-driven. Like we talked about in Ortuella, no? Yeah. Like it was so just a lot of people came together to to support them. Yeah. yeah. The majority of like economic relief for people came from donations from the public, mm-hmm. you know saying? Mm-hmm. In Bilbao, there were several initiatives that arose quickly to assist the families and mm-hmm. the victims. Mm-hmm. There were lots of um, fundraising events by different like entities. Mm-hmm. So different entities were doing separate like fundraising events. So the Bilbao Society, which the, I guess it's called the Bilbao Society. There's one. They combined all of the entities to okay. just to just make it one big pot. Pot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had the funerals for the victims in Bermeo, and the king showed up. But before his arrival, his valet, is what it said in one thing, arrived in town on the 16th. Okay. So this is before the funerals. Okay. But this valet of the king Mm -hmm, arrived mm -hmm. with 4,000 pesetas in cash and was just there distributing it to people. (laughs) Make sure everybody's happy when the king arrives. That's a good one. You guys, be cool. Be cool. The king's coming. So (laughs) here's some money. Why not? I think a good way to deal with the local population, especially one a little bit angry at things. The kings always have to show up, or the queen or whoever, right? In Ortoya, also, like, the queen went to visit people in the hospital. And also, in the press, every time the amounts that were contributed to these funds were reported in the press mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Okay. Like, now it's up it's to this, up. and now, yeah. It's hundreds, too. This many people are. So I guess that's a way to, like, encourage people to be, like... For sure. Yeah. yeah. It might also discourage, because they'll go, oh, they've already got a million. Yeah. But, <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> but I think overall, people are excited by it, right? They go, yeah, you like to watch things go up. Like, let's make like, it two million. Let's yeah, make it exactly, three. Exactly. We have a goal. So, yeah. yeah. It's nice. Yeah. So, um, so they didn't really know how to distribute mm-hmm. this money. It is a complicated that was coming question. in, mm-hmm. and how, what to put, you know, where to put it. Yeah. At one point, like the conservative party was being accused of using the money oh, to attract voters. Oh, of course. But that's according to one newspaper okay. called El Liberal. Okay. So I don't know. That's one accusation. Sounds correct to me. <laughs> the conservatives are probably overspending the money. <laughs> They're like, let's use this for our next campaign. I didn't even I didn't even have an idea of what the political scene was like in nineteen twelve. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Was it the Republic then? Who knows? Yeah. Um, there were other like festivals and other events that were used to raise funds for mm-hmm. the families. For example, they organized a bullfight, a theatrical performance, and then pelota matches. Pelota being handball or halal. Hayalai. Hayalai. Let's get that wrong. They raised 46,650 pesetas. Mm-hmm. And they gave all of that to the mayor of Bermeo. Okay. Um, there was also other events organized by... A, there was a children's festival... Mm-hmm. I guess for kids to go to. Mm-hmm. And that was organized by the Association of Municipal Teachers of Bilbao. And there was a charity raffle that was organized by the Conservative Party's youth. Mm-hmm. And um, all of these things were very popular mm. with the citizens. So everybody, if you went to these events, you were donating basically nice. to this 
to this Good to event. hear. That hasn't changed in a hundred years. Yeah. So, yeah, very community-driven. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, this tragedy marked a watershed moment in the means and methods of fishing oh, on the Cantabrian really? coast. Yep. Health and safety rules now? Yep. Okay. That's our crime. Uh, yeah. Right? Uh, somehow. <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, it is funny to think of health and safety being broken as a rule. And I mean, that's what the the central government was complaining about. Well, I mean, on. when these things happen, it's like, we probably should take some steps that this doesn't happen again, right? Of course. So. Thankfully, that is a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, exactly. Let's let's be let's glad. See, let's see how good the measures were. There are steps were. being taken, you know, taken. So, yeah. Yeah. Sounds um, nice. Let's take a break. All right. So, as I was saying, this did change things. Mm. This one event. Mm. Okay. So, which makes it a crime of the Basque land in the sense of... Health and safety. Yeah. Yeah. This event of this kind was mm. not the first, of course. There have been many no. storms to strike this region. Yeah. And um, there was one that was even bigger um, mm. in April 20th of 1878, known as the Easter Sunday Galerna, Ooh. where 322 fishermen lost their lives. Oh, my God. This one did, though, really change the course of safety for fishermen. Good to hear. Let's see. Yeah. Let's hear some measures. <clears throat> okay. Solutions. So in 1912, the situation of maritime safety had changed very little or not at all from Mm. what had been practiced throughout history. Right. Right. After this event, many, um, this did allow the fishing industry to undergo some very profound transformations. Okay. Good. So for example, mechanical traction was now being used instead of oars and sails. Oh, Fishing gear was being renewed and re-engineered. So does that mean like boat, motor boats? So Mechanic, traction, mm-hmm. traction, I guess, is like the the means of moving the ship around or moving the boat around. So motor boats somehow. Because if they're, it if was they're... mechanical, it was mechanicalized. So mm-hmm. instead of it being maybe manpower, sure, maybe oil, maybe steam, something. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the fishing gear was renewed and re-engineered, um, and then workers' associations were finally like getting. Um, an inn in the ancestral union structure that existed. Mm. This had been established for centuries by mm. the fishermen guilds. So like a guild, yeah, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. It sounds more like a guild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, despite all these changes, you know, ancestral fishing arts persisted or measures sure. or means persisted. Mm-hmm. Um, by, you know, this was evidenced by the types of boats that either worked alone or in tandem with other fishing boats. Okay. Yeah, I guess it wasn't a point of illegalizing traditional fishing at right. that point yet. Right. But, yeah. Right. The various fishing companies registered in Bermeo, those boats that were dedicated to just catching the tuna and then they would transport them to the steamships, like oh, I said before, right? Okay. Then those steamships would then return the catch to the port. Okay. Right? I didn't realize the steamships were kind of working in concert With there, them, but that's, yeah, yeah. that's interesting to hear. So um, after this happened, the brotherhoods, is what they called them, they Mm -hmm. rose up against the precarious security of the Cantabrian coast fishermen. Mm -hmm. The Santoa Brotherhood called um, the councils and the brotherhoods of the provinces of Santander, Vizcaya, and Guipuzcoa to an assembly on September 10th um, in in Bilbao's Vizcaya Hall. Mm. This meeting resulted in some conclusions, what they were able to turn into a bill for the courts and the legal system. Mm. 
So what they wanted more than anything was to be able to set up like an alarm and a rescue system mm. to create like a system where they could come out and help. Yeah. It's almost like... At a moment's um, notice, like for these types of... If something like this was happening, a kind they of needed guard, a system. A basic yeah, coast guard. Yeah. To, yeah, mm-hmm. to come out and help people that were hard mm, to see. Very yeah. interesting. Um, also, they established several meteorological observations to warn of the arrival of gales or mm. galernas. Mm. And other storm fronts. Um, they started actual fishing schools. Oh, wow. Right? To That's make fishermen's work more profitable. Yeah. So that they didn't just have to go out there and be like, I have to. Yeah. I have to catch all these fish or else I'm fucked, you know? Right. Yeah. So they also installed more motors in fishing boats. They uh, created like a mandatory insurance for boats, oh, right. for gear, for fishermen. That's great. And then they made a series of safeguard ports. They had ports where there were sub- vessels like on hand to go right. out and assist. Right. Kind of like anyway. an emergency boat. Yeah. Or few. They did end up improving like a lot of the precarious working conditions that these fishermen were under at the time. Great to hear. Nice. Yeah. Fundamental part of the story of fishing. Mm-hmm. Good to hear. There's a question about what caused this disaster. Mm. And there's this one guy who was the butler and secretary of the Sociedad Libre de Pescadores. Okay. The, the Free Society of Fishermen, I mm-hmm, guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like a good translation. So basically his explanation is kind of what we've already discussed, right? Mm-hmm. So he said there wasn't a worse summer for fishermen than mm-hmm. the one of 1912. Was and it 1875 clearly worse? Or was it 1878, yeah. like. Eight. Mm-hmm. But in terms of all the circumstances that took place to cause, I guess, these people to die. Because there were the French that came mm-hmm. to say that had like pretty so was modern mm-hmm. Yeah, they had modern instruments that could say, like, listen, there's a storm coming. S- let's, let's and then people just kind from of today's point of view, slightly more modern. <laughs> right. Okay, yes, of course. <laughs> just the barometer <laughs> yeah. seems like very basic to Yeah, me. it like, is basic. And it's still pretty basic. Yeah. Like it's very like like I was saying that they mm-hmm. still don't have a lot of warning. Like, there's really hard to predict when these things are coming and how hard it'll be or how bad it'll be. Before radio, it sounds very hard to deal with Mm. something that could change in a couple of hours, like you were saying, right? It can develop. You don't have very much time to get the hell out of Dodge, you know, like. Yeah, like Cantabria is really close to us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Asturias is not that far away, especially if you're blowing along the coast. Yeah. And at such high speeds of wind. Yeah. Yeah. There, he was saying, um, in 1912, there was not a single day, the summer of 1912, there was not a single day of calm for the Aranzales, the fishermen. Mm -hmm. And they were forced to retreat and return to shore on several occasions due to bad weather that Mm. summer. Mm. There was a lack of tuna. So when they, those schools of fish, the schools of tuna did start appearing... They were ready to go out and, you know, make up for lost time, right? Yeah. So they sent yeah. out, there were 36 boats that were from um, Bermeo, and then there mm. was four boats that are Andaroa. When they went out, after hearing about all these fish that was showing up, this was on the 10th, right? Mm-hmm. And they knew that they had to get out there and fish, mm-hmm. and they were trying to do it in the four days before... Yeah, before the 16th, the party. Yeah, oh, yes. so they were trying to get back by the 14th. So they had like maybe the 15th to rest and then the 16th was the holiday, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, they were just trying to stay out there and fish. Yeah. 
for those four days. And um, mm-hmm. the storm hit on the 12th at about 5 p.m. You know, they decided a lot of the boats that were out there just decided to stay and try to ride it out. Because they were like, we've got a very small window of time to get all this fish, right? Yeah, it's probably related to not having caught much during the the rest of summer. And before they, you know, before they had time to like realize what kind of storm they were in, it was too late, right? Like it just got stronger and stronger and stronger and they were just fucked. Yeah, the sea is very serious. Mm -hmm. Like, so the storm had, it hit at like five, it started at five and then it hit its peak at midnight. Wow, so they were one. just like trying to ride it out, and then at midnight everything just went to shit. Wow. So basically, it was just a really shitty set of circumstances mm. that they were. Yeah. They were under. So. Take care, people. Yeah. Don't go out at night. Don't go out. At night. <laughs> Into the sea. And don't go fishing. <laughs> don't go for tuna after twelve. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Nothing good happens <laughs> after midnight. I mean, a lot of good things happen it after does, midnight, I have to does. say. It's true. But maybe not up in, not in a boat sea. in the middle yeah. of sea. Not at sea. Fascinating. Well, at least next time we go to Bermeo, we're going we're gonna to see that. Yeah, yeah. So they the have town. a museum. They have like a lot of um, Fishermen's sculptures museum. that are in, the, um, in Bermeo mm-hmm. of, I think I can show you some of them and you can maybe describe them better than I can. Mm-hmm. So they've got like this guy right. in a chapella pointing out at sea. Right, yeah. It looks like is maybe bronze or some metal of a, of a guy just kind of pointing out at sea. Yeah. So that guys, was... The guys, that the, was this done. is from the documentary, the guys in the chapellas. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is the type of boats they were in? Such a Look basic kind of boat. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. we got to put what this on Instagram. Oh, sorry, I've got to... Yeah, we should put some of these images on mm-hmm. Instagram. Sorry. Chalupa, maybe? The yes. Name? Yeah, Chalupas. The name. Chalupas. They're about between 15, 13 and 15 meters long mm-hmm. and about three meters wide. Mm. So they're the ones that just catch the fish and then they take them to the steamboats that would then transport right. the fish to the port. Right. So there would have been a steamboat out there, which obviously went down with everybody else. Yeah. And here's another one of those. There's the guy with the pointing out to sea and then there's a woman um, sculpture worried yeah Mm -hmm. just a woman looking out so there's another memorial that i wanted to mention the virgin of begonia uh it's a sculpture by joaquin lucarini Mm -hmm. and it's the same guy that made the tiger in Dusto, you know the big tiger that's on top of that building in Dusto. yeah it's very famous so that's the same sculptor that made this interesting um the they call it the Amatu de Begonia. Amatu is my little mother. Mother Begonia. It's a it's a like uh, ama is mother. Mm-hmm. Chu would be to be like little, like yeah. diminutive. But it's also a endearing endearing form. Yeah, term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our dear mother so, of Begonia. Yeah, Jose would be jo- Jose Chu. Jose yeah. Jose Chu. Yeah, yeah, little Jose. But it, it kind of like. I would be Julie Chu. Julie Chu. That's you. <laughs> and you'd be Dougal Chu. <laughs> Douglas, Douglas Chu. Chu. <laughs> Douglas Chu. Douglas Chu. A few ways. A few. Dougie Chu. You could say it in many, many a way. Uh, so this is uh, the Amatu of Begonia. It measures 1 meter 20. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been 
placed underwater. Right. Right near San Juan Casteluache. Mm -hmm. And so you can, if you're a scuba diver, you can go, it's about uh, 10 meters deep. Wow. So you can go down and see it underwater if you're a scuba diver. That's beautiful. I yeah. never I never heard about that. That's yeah. that's gorgeous. So it's like a little statue underwater. underwater yeah. And it's been clearly overgrown by sea mm -hmm. creatures slightly yeah. to you, some did I show extent. You the picture? Yeah. There's yeah. a scuba diver checking it out. It's uh, gorgeous. It's very 2020s kind of tourism, huh? Mm -hmm. There was another tribute that mm -hmm. they did by the mayor of Bermeo. So this is a quote, okay? Mm -hmm. So on the 95th 95th anniversary so it, this is a quote almost everything that is known about the 1912 disaster is because it has been transmitted orally over mm. time and this is explained by the director of the fisherman museum okay mm -hmm. in Bermuda. Mm -hmm. in this museum they have possession of one of the few writings that are preserved about that event um so thanks to this document the names of the 14 Chalupas? Chalupas from Bermeo are known, mm. as well as the two from Lequetio, one mm. from Alanchobe, mm -hmm. and another from Andaroa. Very good. Yes. <laughs> that sank. So, mm. the event left 62 widows and 205 wow. orphans. Wow. Says the publication. Incredible, hmm? So many families impacted. And it says, it goes on to say that the darkness prevented many ships from being saved. So because mm. the, the height of the storm was at midnight, right. it prevented any rescue so sad. from finding anyone. Okay, Sorry. so to celebrate a tribute to those who died in the storm, mm. the association led by President Iñaki Elortegui has called a rally or like an event, mm. right, at mm -hmm. 9.30 p.m. at the Bermeo Dock. Or port. Mm -hmm. There is a procession of boats that go from the mouth of the port, and under the light of oil lanterns, the boats carry those light lanterns and carry out a floral offering and the ringing of the bell mm -hmm. from the church. It's very beautiful. And then, uh, yeah, so that was another memorial service that they held mm -hmm. 95 years after the event. It's a nice gesture. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's something else. In honor of the widows in 2018, a song and video clip based on the dance poem of a hundred widows was released. Oh. It is a mazurka. 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 Yeah, mazurka is like an Eastern European dance style. Oh. I mean, It's danced not? in the form of a rope dance. So the poem was, the poem was written by Uche Alberde. Ushe Alberdi? Ushe? Ushe? Ushe. Ushe Alberdi. Yep. So they did a dance and. Interesting. So yeah. another artistic expression of it. That's a beautiful way to Memor commemorate memorials, it. Yeah. Mm. So that's that. That's the, that's the tragedy of the Galerna of 1912. 1912. That really fucked up Bermeo. Yeah. Shocking, huh? Yeah. I mean, not shocking. Shocking and not shocking. These things happen all the time in port yeah. villages, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's that. I think every town that has a port has a story. Oh yeah. Of this sort, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I know when my one of my ancestors went from Catalonia to Brazil. My, I don't exactly know which. I think it was my great great grandfather. 
he came over from Catalonia first and then he sent for his wife and children. And as you did back in the as day. you did back in the day. And then what happened was there were certain ships and certain ship companies. So my great great grandmother went into this same company ship, but she didn't realize one was supposed to go to Montevideo and one was supposed to go to Rio. And so she got in the wrong one. She got on the wrong boat. Oh she my did. God, that's but funny. because they were the same company and they only realized... They figured it out? They only realized like hours after departing Barcelona port. So they were like, it's fine. It's the same we'll company. We'll figure out how to get her there. Well, now, now the intrigue starts. Uh, it so happens that the other ship sank. The one she was supposed to be on. Shut up. And my my great great grandfather heard about this. This was news. It was in the newspapers. So he thought she was on. Yeah, and he didn't. And even, did everyone die on that ship? They did. And he he heard, and he didn't even want to go to the port. Oh my god! And his Catalan friends convinced him to go to the port just in case she was in the other boat, and she was. Whoa. So that's the closest I get to some tragedy. Wow. Thankfully, they that's made crazy. it. That's crazy. They made it. They made it, yeah. Isn't that crazy? And he had like four children and his wife on that boat. And you probably wouldn't exist today. No, I definitely wouldn't. Not without those genes. That's like exactly twelve point five percent of my genes were in that boat. <laughs> oh my god, that is insane. <laughs> or maybe yeah. What a good like story. It's pretty good. Wow. No? Actually, six percent. It's probably six or less. I don't Still, know. I'm not good at math. <laughs> I wouldn't speak Catalan without that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a good story. It's crazy, huh? So, yeah. Yep. Listen to your friends. These never just lose crazy hope. crazy circumstances, yeah. Keep at you it. You just never know. Mm, and, yeah. Health and safety, guys. Health if and safety. If you can. Take well, one of these orange I mean, things. Well, ships sink all the time, and it's usually not... It's a risk you take when you get a ship. Exactly. Ship, There's yeah. a risk you take with everything, but... Yeah, even crossing a road. So, take exactly. care, people. Oh. Cheers, Julie. That Cheers, was a Dougal. great chat. It was really fun. Lovely Again, story. Again, a pleasure. Boom. A pleasure doing this pod with you, and uh, isn't it? It's 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 super sweet. I hope everybody else is enjoying themselves. Uh, yeah. With us. Yes. If you want to contact us, please write to us you at know where crimes we are. of the Basklands at gmail.com. Yep. Follow us on Instagram. Rate review. Please rate subscribe. review. Like the podcast. That really helps out in our beginning, mm-hmm. beginnings of our podcasts. Yeah. And if you know anybody else who listens to... Or likes true crime. True crime. Recommend us. Yeah. We're in English. Yeah. It's just a slightly odd topic. <laughs> and maybe they want to learn a few Basque words along the way. Maybe they didn't know they wanted to know some Basque Maybe words. they didn't know that. And then they're going to go be like, what? This I is, had no idea I wanted to learn crazy Basque. place. <laughs> they might just want to come here try the good food. Exactly. Which it's really good. Yes. So... So. Great tuna. <laughs> hardly, All right. hardly fight. <laughs> and they fight hard to get that tuna. Every time. As you know. Every time. Uh, okay, Douglas. Well, thank you, everyone. Bid we bid you, you agur. agur. Crimes of the Basque Lands is written and produced by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. The sound and editing for each episode by Douglas de Carvalho. I'm Megan Dooley. Theme song written by Douglas de Carvalho. Julie Garcia. I'm Megan Dooley. Sung by the choir with no name and produced by Tom Squires. Podcast art by Distinct Signal. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Crimes of the Basque Lands. 
and contact us at crimesofthebasklands at gmail.com with story ideas worldwide which have a connection to the Basque Country or any rave reviews. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, agur! agur.